This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by the managing editor of Horns247, Taylor Estes. Taylor, it is January 10th. We are recording on January 10th. And we got news earlier today. Uh, Well, first of all, uh, TCU woke up today and wondered what what hit them (laughs) last night. A bulldog is what hit them last night. Yeah, and Ugga wasn't even there. I know. Hey, maybe maybe that's the the key for Georgia because we know when Ugga was there, when Texas played Georgia, it was not very favorable for the Bulldogs there. That's right. Is uh, Texas the last team to beat Georgia in a postseason game? It's a good question. I think it is. Well, yeah, I think so. By the way, so tough, tough, t- great season for TCU, but. Man, 65 to 7. Come on. Look how lucky we were to see Texas versus USC. Yeah. 2005. What a what a game. That was such a yeah. great game. No one no one's going to No one's going to talk about this uh national championship except for um the fact that it was the Big 12's first trip to the national championship game and it what it ended in <laughs> 65 to 7. Exactly. Yeah. Texas fans are like, can we get to the SEC (laughs) as fast as possible? But then you got to play Georgia in the regular season to get. Potentially, potentially, potentially. Yeah. To get a chance to get to the college football playoff. All right. On to Texas. Today, we learned that from Christian Jones, his own self on his Instagram, that the fifth year offensive lineman will be returning for a sixth year. In 2023, thanks to the COVID red shirt awarded by the NCAA following the 2020 global pandemic. This means, Taylor, that Texas will have 10 of 11 starters returning on offense as of right now. Mm -hmm. And all five starters on the offensive line. I mean, I'm listening to Sirius XM radio just before we started recording and it's Gabe Eichard and Chris Plank hosting big 12 today. And they're Gabe Eichard is like, I'm picking Texas to win the big 12 next year. Yeah. They're going to have 10 of 11 starters back on offense. And you can see it now, right? You can see it all coming. 10 of 11 starters back. Quinn Ewers be a year older, wiser. Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, throw in Isaiah Nayer. And that offensive line, we got to get Jonathan Brooks' hernia surgery fixed up right. But said Baxter's coming in. We're going to talk about the early enrollees here in a second. But by Christian Jones coming back, 10 of 11 starters on the offense returning Taylor. How does that sound? Yeah, I mean, you'll take that every day of the week, I think, Chip, like with especially in the current landscape of college football with the transfer portal, NIL, all of that. I mean, these coaches are essentially having to re-recruit their own roster almost every single year, in addition to finding and signing some of the top 
you know, talent in the country coming out of the high school ranks and then also entering the transfer portal for um, positions of need. But I think, I mean, you know, I think that there's definitely going to be some people wondering how this is going to impact the development of some of the younger offensive linemen that were true freshmen this past year, like Cam Williams is a good example of that. You know, true freshman kind of saw some playing time. But one thing I'll say with Christian Jones, he, the move, we, we talked about this. If you missed our mailbag edition of the flagship podcast on Monday, definitely go back. We did a live version of it, took questions, but we did talk about Christian Jones because at that point it was kind of speculative that he may be returning. And at the end of the day, I mean, if you look back at what Christian Jones was in 2021 compared to 2022, it was a night and day difference of him moving from the left side of the offensive line to the right side. And it was a it was a great move by Kyle Flood. It was, you know, he, Christian Jones seemed to be very bought into moving to the other side of the line and it paid off in a big way. And I don't necessarily think that there should be a concern about the, you know, development behind him because I do think with him returning, he could be a veteran voice for the offensive line, a guy that's been there for six years, the the old guy in the room who has gone through really a lot of ups and downs during his career at Texas. And, um, you know, I feel like this is this is a, a positive development for for Texas. And, uh, you know, I mean, some may may not feel that way. I don't know. I just feel like Christian Jones was so much such a just night and day different player this se- than the 2022 season compared to any of his other years, honestly, at Texas, not just 2021, any year that he had been there and he really came along. So I think you have to welcome this. But what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think. Anytime you add a guy who's got 35 starts um, and clearly his confidence went up um, with the move to the right side, to right tackle. Um, And it was interesting because Christian Jones talked about the teaching technique of Kyle Flood, that Kyle Flood used to be a teacher in a classroom and that he does a very... um, sort of straightforward, matter-of-fact way of teaching technique um, about the offensive line and how to use that technique in certain plays. And and Christian Jones said it just really appealed to my senses, the way that Kyle Flood uh, teaches and is not just out on the field, you know, yelling, get lower you know, fire off, use your hands better that he, you know, does a lot of this stuff in the meeting room. And then, you know, when they get out to the field, it's, uh, it's more about reminding the players of the teaching that went on in the classroom. So whatever it takes, I mean, guys learn different ways and the old adage in coaching is it doesn't matter what you know it matters what your players know and that's what uh, every coach has to figure out how to impart what they know to those players so that uh, those players can play fast and make um, you know make plays and and Christian Jones certainly uh, did that this year after being a liability in 2021. I mean, there's no two ways around it. Pro football focus grades show it this year. He was all big 12 honorable mention, um, by the league coaches. So, uh, Christian Jones. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree, Taylor. I think anytime you bring a guy back, who's got 35 starts. Um, look, if Cameron Williams beats him out, that was the risk Christian Jones took in, in coming back. Um, you know, Cameron Williams is a pretty, uh, he's an enormous human being, but he's pretty athletic. So there's a chance that, that Cam Williams could beat him out and, and Christian Jones can also play guard. So he'll compete at that. He'll compete wherever they want him to compete. So, um, I think it's a plus anytime you can stockpile talent and have guys ready, then you'll take it especially yeah. in those meeting rooms. And when, when that leadership is, is required, when things get tough and you need that veteran voice to say, um, or even a guy like Kelvin Banks, as we learned this past year saying, Hey, it's okay. We gotta, we gotta 
dig deep. We got to play better. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I look at it as a plus. Now, Taylor, the other big news that is really kind of exciting is Jalen Catalan, the, the um, veteran safety from Arkansas committing to Texas. He's from Texas. He, he came out of Mansfield legacy and we saw him up close and personal in Arkansas. Uh, when he had eight tackles and a pass breakup uh, in that 40-21 win over um, the Longhorns, he ended up getting injured a, a few games later. Um, well, he suffered a broken hand a few games later. Then he suffered a, a torn labrum in his shoulder, and he's had a bunch of shoulder injuries. But in 2020, he was first team all SEC he was third on the team of tackles, 99 tackles, three interceptions, two forced fumbles, kind of uh, like the season Jalen Ford had this past year, and and a leader. I mean, not a not just a playmaker, but a leader, super smart, super high football IQ, big-time studier of film, but has only played seven games the last two seasons. And he did have another shoulder surgery um, back in September. So he's he's been through it i mean he had a torn acl in high school uh the broken hand three different shoulder surgeries i think i mean it's but this guy is if if they can get him healthy if he can stay on the field this is kind of the jordan whittington story mm -hmm. if he can stay on the field this guy's a difference maker and i i'd say immediately would give texas one of the top safety um tandems certainly in the big 12 if not college football yeah and and that's a position that's been each year it seems a question mark um under steve sarkeesian and his staff and you know there's definitely the injury concern you you hope if you're a texas fan that he has kind of a breakthrough you know type of season like jordan whittington just had um this past year in 2022 where you know, it seemed like every single year there was some sort of injury that that limited his his uh, game reps and his starting reps and everything. But the ceiling is very, very high. I mean, this is a guy that coming out of high school, you know, a four star prospect. Texas was in the mix um, in the 2019 recruiting class, honestly, to to land him. And then some of the, the staff changes at Texas under Tom Herman led to him end up, you know, going the the in, you know, the um the questions around Texas led to him essentially signing with Arkansas. But, you know, this is, this is monstrous chip. I mean, we, on Monday when we did our live show, I don't know if anyone picked up on it, but there is a reason why chip and I both were like, keep an eye on this, keep an eye over at horns 24 seven. Cause it's moving fast and Texas is in a good position. I think like once we were finished less than an hour later, he announced his commitment to Texas, but this is, this is a monster addition. And it's a guy that, Texas is not going to be in a position to where they have to mold him or teach him how to play safety. Cause that's one of the things that Texas has been in a, in a situation with for the last two years, you know, Brendan Schooler hadn't played in on defense, let alone in the secondary for, I think it was four seasons. He was a wide receiver. They had to move him back. I think his first year what at Oregon, he played defensive back. Then he transferred to Arizona state was receiver transferred to Texas receiver, and then moved to, to um, safety. And then this year, you know, Anthony Cook this past season moved from corner to nickel to safety. And those two ended up being pretty, well, I would say Anthony Cook especially ended up being a very reliable option for Texas. And that left a gaping hole with him leaving. And this is the prime type of player to fill that hole if he can stay healthy. And so this is going to, you know, Tory Becton and uh, the strength and conditioning staff at Texas is really going to need to put a lot of focus on getting his body right so that he can play through a full season. But if that, if that does happen, this is probably going to, we're going to be potentially talking after the 2023 season about the biggest impact player for Texas. And it was the addition of Jalen Catalan, assuming he does stay healthy this season, Chip. Yeah. I mean, this guy, he's the kind of player who can diagnose, get everybody lined up, so that everybody's playing fast and that kind of player is invaluable. Um, 
those are the kind of players that Gary Patterson had one after the other at TCU. It's why TCU's defenses have been so good. Um, and think about like Brandon Jones, what Brandon Jones was to Texas yeah. at the safety yep. position. Yep. And, and it's been a minute, you mm -hmm. know, it's, uh, you know, Texas had a string there for a while of, you know, one safety after another um, with, you know, Michael Griffin and Michael Huff and, and then Earl Thomas and heck even Blake Gideon on that 2009 team that played for the national championship. And then it's been, you know, Kenny Vaccaro and then it's, you know, been up and down and, and Michael Griffin came on with us here on the flagship podcast and was like, what is going on at the safety position? <laughs> yeah. Why isn't Texas just lining them up? And then for under Tom Herman, they all left. Mm -hmm. You know, Xavier Alford and Marcus Caldwell and la Aiden la la. Stearns left early for the draft. He yeah, Aiden Stearns left early. And uh, what, uh, Tyler Owens? Um, it's not coincidental that all those players left. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is, right? right. <laughs> like... <laughs> so it's time. It's time. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Jalen Catalan has a positive impact on the up-and-coming players, the Larry Turner Goodens, the BJ Allens, the Derek Williams, because Catalan, man, he can walk in the room and tell these guys, Hey, I've been a part of it. You know, I've, I've been in the sec. I was, I was first team all sec in 2020 and I know what it takes. And by everyone's account, heck, I talked to uh, Jeff Trailer, the head coach at UTSA, who helped recruit Catalan to Arkansas, and he's like, he's as good as they come as a person, mm -hmm. as a player. So this has a chance, like you said, Taylor, to be uh, a monumental story for the 2023 season. And you just hope that uh, that the doctors had a good day uh, on the surgical repair of his shoulder, and then that you know the texas staff can help him stay healthy you know whether just take care of his body do all even if he's got to put in the extra work um to keep his body right so that he's able to stay on the field because um this would be whoo this would be big time yeah and i mean just to kind of put it into perspective how big time this could be for texas Jalen Catalan in that 2021-2022 season at Arkansas, the year that Texas played at Arkansas, he only played in six games that season, yet he finished second on the team in interceptions, tied for second on the team in interceptions. He had two interceptions in six games played. He, um, I mean, if you look just even at his like numbers for that season, he would have been on par to being one of the top producers for the Arkansas defense and during the 2021 season before his injury. And he only played, you know, in half of the game. So that in itself should probably kind of show you what type of talent he is. Now you just hope if you're a Texas fan, you actually see it on the field in a healthy form or fashion. Yeah. Yeah. He is, uh, he's a special talent when he is on the field and um, he arrived at um Arkansas in 2019. And so he would have a uh, COVID red shirt um, to, you know, play in <laughs> 24. If, you know, something tells me if he had the kind of season he's hoping to have, he'll, he'd move on. Yeah. Uh, but just throwing that out there. Yeah. Just he keeping that in the, you know, back. Uh, back of people's minds. Yeah. Right, and he Taylor. could technically have two more seasons right. of eligibility left. He's considered, I believe a red shirt junior, um, or at least this past season, he, he had a true red shirt season in 2019. He only played in four games at Arkansas 2020, the COVID year. That's the blanket one played six games the following year. And then he had only one game in 2022, which he would have. So he might himself. Fall. So he may have three. Yeah. He might yeah. be in that Frank. He might be in that Frank Harris seven, you know, whatever, seven yeah. years of college life. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, first <laughs> things first.
Yeah. If he has a good season next year, he's probably one and done. I'll say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. But, that's how uh, that's how high his ceiling is. So yeah. Just go to YouTube and flip on some of his highlights and you'll just start clapping your hands. <laughs> All right. Uh Taylor, the early enrollees who are already on campus. You ready to to touch on a few of these? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what obviously Arch Manning, um, mm -hmm. whose picture is already you know, been out on Texas football's Instagram. Uh, I, like it's like the first of those early enrollees to get his picture on the Texas football Instagram. Uh, yeah. And rightfully so, I guess the number one overall prospect in the nation in the 2023 class is on campus. You want to let the world know. And, um, you know, this is uh, when you look at the future and you you say, okay, how's Steve Sarkeesian doing? After two years, you say, well, he's doing pretty good because he's yeah. landed two of the top quarterback recruits in Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning back to back. So you got to get the quarterback position right. We know that. And when when teams have the quarterback position right, the coach looks a whole lot better and smarter. And so um, we'll see. Arch Manning's the kind of guy who's going to come in. He's going to work his butt off. And Steve Sarkeesian said, I'm not even thinking about redshirting right now. Let's just get him into the into the system, get him learning. And you know, even if he does redshirt, he can play in four games, five with a bowl game. But yeah. Um, I'm just excited to see how he assimilates into this mix and see what we have, you know, come the spring. Yeah, no, I think that that's, that's a fair assessment. I think, you know, if you're a Texas fan, I would tap the brakes a little bit on expecting him to compete for the starting job, not just because, not because he's, you know, not capable of doing it or anything, but that hasn't necessarily been the plan all along. He has not been, and Steve Sarkeesian's not going to talk about this openly, but the the Manning family kind of understands about, well, they're one of the families that's going to understand probably better than anyone else out there about how the transition from the high school to the college game is different, just as the transition from the college game to the NFL is different. It takes a little bit of time. So there has not been any type of rush to get him starting reps or anything, but it's going to be really fascinating to just kind of see him how he kind of gels with the team um, from everything that we have heard. I mean, Arch is a guy that he keeps to himself. H him and Quinn Ewers, in a sense, are kind of similar in a way. Like, I feel like they both kind of, they have this like big spotlight on them, especially as recruits coming into the college game. But that's not really how they conduct themselves on a day-to-day -day basis. They're not some diva superstar type of egos that they come in. They're just kind of laid back, you know, want to just play football. Um, you know, I know Quinn Ewers hunting and fishing was a big thing for him too. But Arch Manning kind of has a similar type of uh, persona, I think, surrounding him. So um, I feel like the, the transition is not going to be a difficult one. Um, for from like, you know, they need to check his ego at the door or anything like that. But um, no doubt it's gonna be fascinating to just kind of see how quickly he does go through, get get more, um, you know, ready for the college game. He was at a small school, a small private school in, uh, you know, New Orleans at uh, Isidore Newman High School. A lot of the people, the critics questions about him was, okay, how can he be the number one prospect in this class when he doesn't face elite competition like some other you know, top prospects do face. Um, the flip side of that I've always said is like, well, he also doesn't have very much talent around him either. And he still is <laughs> in this position. So, um, you know, this is going to be, it's a huge addition, like regardless of, of how it works in year one or anything like that chip. I mean, for Texas to be in a position to sign back to back number one overall prospects that both happen to be at the quarterback position is huge. I mean, that is, you know, you've seen how many stories have you heard over the last decade plus about 
oh, this quarterback really wanted to go to Texas, but Texas didn't recruit them. Like the, you know, the Johnny Menzels, the Jameis Winstons, the Andrew Lux, the, you know, uh, JT Barrett's, the list go on. It's been like almost the running joke surrounding Texas football of them missing out on these elite quarterback talents in the recruiting cycle. And Texas has done it better than anyone the back the last two years. So um, if, if I feel like if Texas fans are not too thrilled with the, the win-loss record for Steve Sarkeesian, just look at the recruiting efforts that they're doing and realize it's going to take a little bit of time, but the way that they are recruiting is to set them up for the future, not just for a one-and-done type of year. Well, we'll move on from Arch, but just remember Peyton Manning went to Tennessee back in the mid-'90s, and the plan was for him to redshirt behind senior Jerry Colquitt and Todd Helton. Colquitt uh, got hurt in the first ball game, and Helton uh, got injured, I think, in the fourth ball game. And Peyton Manning <laughs> came in and ended up going seven and one. I believe as a true freshman and um, yeah, seven and one and had everyone on notice that Tennessee was about to, uh, to go on an upward trajectory. So you can never predict what is going to happen, but that's why you want to have that room as, uh, as stockpiled as possible. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. All right, Anthony Hill, Taylor. Um, chips man crush, man crush of the 2023 signing class is chips. <laughs> I got co, I got co man crushes in this 2023 <laughs> recruiting class. Anthony Hill and Derek the Raptor Williams. Uh, I cannot wait to see what these guys do in spring football. I probably need to have you, um, you know, talk like logically about these guys because <laughs> yeah. i i just look at the film and say oh man let's go let's get let's get these guys in here now anthony hill is here Derek the raptor williams is gonna come in june so he's gonna have to to pick it up quickly like kelvin banks and xavier worthy did but um you know anthony hill i i i know the coaches we're planning on, you know, incorporating, well, Pete said, you know, two or three of these freshman linebackers are going to have to play. We don't know who, but we need them. We need them mm -hmm. to come in and, and get it done. And, and that's, that's the truth. You lose to Marvin Overshone, you lose, um, Diamante Tucker Dorsey, you lose, uh, Devin Richardson, who was sort of a do it all backup who even played a little fullback for Texas. Uh, you you got to have these guys come in and play. And I think Anthony Hill, that was a big selling point for him in the recruiting process, Taylor. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, that's he has a, a prime opportunity to really secure some quality, substantial reps from, you know, once he, um, I guess, like his freshman year. And because of the the departures, as you mentioned, of DeMarvian Overshone and uh, Devin Richardson and um, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, I, I'm, I'm always kind of the tap the brakes when it comes to some of these, you know, five stars, especially because I feel like, uh, and maybe it's everywhere, but I feel like a lot of times with Texas fans, it's like they see five star and they think instant freshman All-American. <laughs> it's like there, there's only a handful of those for a reason, right? But I do think that Anthony Hill is in a prime position to really make a name for himself in spring football. You mentioned Derek Williams. He will not be enrolling early. He um, is a, you know, a May, you know, summer enrollee. But Anthony Hill, no doubt, has all of the tools to essentially make a, a claim for at least a lot of reps coming off the bench, if not a starting role for the Texas defense. And, and that's the best case scenario if you're a Texas fan, if that does happen because of the departures on that defense. Now, um, you know, there's there are some other type of, you know, 
players that I guess could come in too um, at linebacker. I would say Jeff Choate, Pete Kwiatkowski did a really good job at recruiting the linebacker position this year. But I think all eyes are kind of on Anthony Hill to be the guy to make a name or a claim for starting um, refs in, you know, in spring football. Yeah. I mean, people look at Harold Perkins um, going to LSU and, you know, earning all SEC honors as a true freshman. That's rare. Mm -hmm. That's rare. And Derek, even Derek, um, Derek Johnson, who's, you know, kudos, congrats to super DJ because he's going into the college football hall of fame. But I remember his freshman year and he was like a cheetah who just had to be tamed because he was so fast and so big and so physical, but he would, you know, he would move. They could get him to overreact, over pursue with misdirection and, you know, Greg Robinson, Derek Johnson will even tell you, Greg Robinson is the one who taught him don't move, you know, until, you know, till you've seen your keys and, you know, like sit there for a minute or a count to one. Don't just, you know, look at the flow of the line and start moving. And he really trained him to, to watch his keys and not get out of position. And, and that's Derek Johnson. Yeah, I mean, he's going to the college football hall of fame, but as exactly. a freshman, he had to be, you know, Colorado in that, uh, I hate to bring this up. DJ is going to be furious with me, but in that 2001, um, big 12 championship game that Texas would have, could have, should have won, uh, if major Appleby did come in the game sooner, Colorado ran all kinds of misdirection to get Derek Johnson to over pursue and run himself out of the play. So there's a huge learning curve. Not everybody walks in and does what Harold Perkins did at LSU. And Anthony Hill is an inside linebacker. And that's that's Jalen Ford right now. So um, he can come off the edge. And look, the Cowboys have shown you with Dan Quinn that Micah Parsons can play anywhere. Let's see if Anthony Hill's that kind of athlete that they can you know, have him playing some inside linebacker, uh, playing some strong side linebacker coming off the edge. I think they feel like they can use him in multiple ways. So, And that would uh, be the best case scenario too, if that, if that is the case for Texas, if they can kind of cross train him at different places. Right. And coming in early makes all the, all the difference in the world um, in terms of learning the system, getting comfortable. Um, Taylor, uh, we've got Jonte Cook. Yeah, another Cedric Baxter. Baxter. Where, where do you want to go first here? Well, I think we can kind of go one to the other. Let's Cedric Baxter was the the higher um, rated prospect. He was um, between uh, Arch Manning, Anthony Hill, Cedric Baxter, Jonte Cook. The four of them make up the Texas four or five star signee. So let's start with Cedric Baxter because this is a, a guy that has another one that could have a prime position, especially if Jonathan Brooks's hernia surgery, which he, from what sources had told me, he got right after the bowl game. Like I, I haven't nailed down the exact day, but it was within, within 48 hours from the Alamo bowl, Jonathan Brooks underwent surgery for, to repair hernia that he had been playing through throughout the the 2022 football season from early, you know, um, early word is he should probably be in a position to contribute at some point in spring practice. I haven't been given a set timeline, but if yeah, he the timetable for that surgery recovery is usually four to eight weeks. Yeah. And his was not a sports hernia from what I can gather. So there's a little difference. I mean, you never know. I, I've always tried to be very cautious with with being too um, too in detail unless it comes directly from a doctor. You know of what like the the time frame is. There's optimism that he will be ready at some point in spring football. That's what I would be safe with saying right now. But it also means that it may not be the start of spring football, which could present an opportunity for Cedric Baxter to come in as an early enrollee and compete with Jaden Blue with some early spring reps. Chip. 
yeah, I can't wait to see what kind of a personality Cedric Baxter is. I know from his film, I've said he looks like a young Adrian Peterson. I mean, both six foot one, 220, upright. You know, I mean, for you old schoolers, Eric Dickerson, that upright running style. Um, and he gets north south and he gets going and not real, still a bit of an unknown in terms of catching the football, but, uh, and he'll need to catch the football because in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, you got to catch the football. Uh, it's probably, you know, he knows Keelan Robinson can catch, uh, yeah. Keelan Robinson, what six catches in the Alamo bowl. So Jonathan Brooks um, one touch first touchdown of the game. Yeah. Catch and run touchdown. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, Jonathan Brooks. Yeah. And, and we know Jonathan Brooks can catch it. So, mm-hmm. uh, I am excited. I'm not, I don't have huge, um, expectations for Cedric Baxter. I, I think I want to see Jonathan Brooks healthy and cause I feel like he's a special talent and someone who's ready and chomping at the bit. And, uh, sometimes you can't keep great players off the field. I mean, Adrian Peterson ran for 1900 yards as a freshman. Uh, it was ridiculous what he was doing out there. So, uh, I'm not saying that, but yeah, I was going to say <laughs> again, tap the brakes on that one. I will say one thing. My, my father-in-law was a longtime uh, high school football coach coached in Palestine, Texas, saw Adrian when he was in, you know, junior high, watched him, you know, in his uh, high school seasons. And he's said that there's one player he has ever seen personally that probably could have transitioned from high school to the NFL, one in his 30 plus year career coaching in the state of Texas, where some of the best players in football history have come out of. And his only one he said that might be able to do it was Adrian Peterson. So <laughs> just <laughs> not saying Cedric Baxter is going to be that guy right away, but there's definitely some intent or, you know, some measurements and measurables look very similar and the way that they're hard to tackle too. That's the. Yeah. Adrian Peterson, mm-hmm. only freshman to finish runner up in the Heisman trophy. True yeah. freshman. Yeah. Yep. So. <laughs> no expectations like that yeah. <laughs> for, for Cedric Baxter, but high expectations for Jonte Cook, Taylor. Um, Jonte Cook, Mike Roach. Uh, hope you read the insider last week. Uh, this is our man, Mike Roach's guy, our uh, recruiting guru at Horns 24 7. Mike Roach uh, raves about Jonte Cook uh, from his work ethic to his team first mentality and route running. I mean, Roach says he's the best route runner he's seen coming out of high school in his time of, uh, you know, covering recruiting. And that's, that's what you want to hear. That's, that's kind of the formula that Xavier Worthy used to get on the field as a freshman. Of course, he set all UT's freshman records. Uh, If they can get uh, another in that mold um, and you noticed uh, Roach said team first mentality, then you'll take that and hope that uh, Jonte Cook can come in and be an impact contributor right away. Yeah, and and this is another position that that needs those impact players. Now, we have not seen what Isaiah Nair is going to look like in the Texas offense. Um, we saw glimpses of it in spring practice and then the very limited, you know, practice windows that we had in fall camp, but he's still one that is a to be determined, but everything that we were hearing at the time of his injury was he was going to be a, a very consistent contributor for Texas. Xavier Worthy having that kind of um, up and down season was not the most reliable pass catching receiver for Texas. If he did catch the ball, he was a dynamic playmaker, but it was a big if you know, a lot of times, especially, um, you know, deep balls down the field. Jonte Cook has a very, um, like, I feel like his path to seeing the field is probably the, the not easiest. I don't want to say that, but potentially the less speed bumps that he's going to face as a true freshman, as opposed to some of the other five-star signees that Texas did sign. And yeah, I mean, if you talk to Mike Roach, Mike Roach will 
straight up tell you that Jonte Cook is like one of his favorite recruits that he has ever covered, not just in the 2023 class, like ever. And it's not just because of the type of guy he is away from football, but also because of the player that he is. And, and he is, you know, from all accounts, uh, a, a quality player away from the game too. So he, he has a very high ceiling, I think. And the more type of guys like this chip that Texas can add at the receiver position, the better, especially with the, the receiving the receivers coach role currently vacant with uh, Brennan Marion. He was announced. Um, he officially was announced as UNLV's um, next uh, offensive coordinator. So he will not be there. Steve Sarkeesian, there's a job posting already on U Texas jobs uh, website for an assistant coach to replace um, Brendan Marion. So that's still kind of up in the air, but regardless, I mean, I feel like the talent that John Tay cook has is going to, maybe the position coach isn't going to matter too much. It's just how he fits into Sark's offense. And we know that Steve Sarkeesian thinks very highly of him. Yeah. Um, and if he's that good, Sark will find a way, mm -hmm. uh, to get him on the field and, and play both worthy and cook. Um, you know, Sark is not a prolific rotator of receivers and that is tough for the young guys. You know, we saw Savion Red, uh, you know, get a little frustrated and it, it's the exact opposite of how it was under Tom Herman, who left it up to the position coach to rotate players in. And sometimes you're looking out there on third and six and wondering what are those receivers doing on the field? But yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it, it's going to be, um, you know, if John Tay Cook comes in and gets it done, then he's going to be on the field. And that's, uh, that's exciting. And with Xavier Worthy going into a contract year, um, you need John Tay Cook to, to be ready uh, to take over. So, um, All right, Taylor, you to some group of the four stars out there are chip too. Yeah. I mean, you know, Malik Muhammad, uh, this, this guy, you know, from what Pete Kwiatkowski was telling us at the Alamo bowl, uh, he's six foot, 175 pound corner, long arms, the prototypical, uh, frame that you want is, you know, embraces every one-on-one -on -one situation, loves it, loves being left on the Island. Um, we'll see how that adjusts to the college level, but you want that. I mean, that's what you want. And the number 41 overall player, the number five cornerback in the country. And, um, you know, this is uh, a guy who gives you length and, um, and if he's that good and he can handle the Island, then he's going to be on the field. Ryan Watts, we know, uh, has shown his ability on the boundary side. You got Terrence Brooks. You got a lot of young guys on that at that corner position. Jalen Gilbo, Austin Jordan, Xavion Bryce. Unfortunately, uh, none of those guys are in the portal. I mean that that again tells you about the culture and in the direction that Pete Kwiatkowski has this defense going. These guys are are bought in and they all want to compete for that uh, opening with Deshaun Jameson moving on. Yeah, and that that should go to show too. Texas fans, the ones that have been quick to jump to fire Pete Kwiatkowski after the 2021 season, even some games in 2022, like Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. If 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 they're, I mean, the fact that they're able to keep that side of the ball intact from in the, in the present, you know, transfer portal era of college football, that in itself says something that it may not be said publicly a lot, but it says a lot. You know, I think that that's huge. It's absolutely huge. It's so easy for these guys to leave, you know, if they're if they feel like they're not getting enough reps or not getting the respect or getting an you know a a fair chance or a fair shot at playing time, and that has not been the case. And that that speaks volumes for what Pete Kwiatkowski starts with him on the defensive side of the ball, and then um, some of his assistant coaches too, um, and, and kind of keeping them locked into wanting to play. Um, you know, I think that Malik Muhammad is going to be an interesting one. The other one that I'm very interested in, this is on the other side of the ball, is DeAndre Moore, the wide receiver um, out of uh, St. John Bosco in California. He's a guy, he's a top 100 prospect, um, one of the 
the later editions of Texas did add to this. He's an early enrollee, but um, Greg Biggins, our, our uh, national recruiting analyst at 24-7, he is under the impression that he actually may have a long-term future playing on defense, even though he wants to play receiver. Texas signed him as a wide receiver um, in the 2023 class. But that's when I'm, you know, in, in reading, I've known Greg Biggins for years and, um, you know, Biggins is one of the best in the, in the game. And so in reading his evaluation of DeAndre Moore and him saying that his long-term future may be in the secondary with the, his upside may be there. Um, that's, that's going to be interesting to watch. And, you know, especially in the years, um, not in 2023, but probably in the years moving forward, depending on what the the depth is at both in the secondary and also um, at wide receiver. Yeah, we got Michael Griffin talking about <clears throat> Trey Wisner, the running back and really good, you know, catcher of the football. Looking like a safety to him, Look, said he reminds me of me. Mm-hmm. Michael Griffin played running back coming out of Austin Bowie High School. Um, and then Biggins also. But look, the the truly great athletes, you you can move them anywhere and they'll they'll make plays. The the other guy who um I'm really intrigued by Taylor is is Colton Vasic. Um, you know, he's six six. Um 225 his dad brian vasek played at texas in the 90s and everything here about um colton vasek and and mike roach said it too is the mean streak the no nonsense he's the no nonsense guy in this class mike roach said um he's he doesn't talk a lot he's the type of guy who's just all about the work and and is about it every day of course played on those dominant teams at Westlake that won three straight state championships so um i'm really intrigued by colton vasek of course he comes from Westlake, same place ethan burke came from kind of a similar build uh, those guys could end up um you know being uh, big time impact players uh for the longhorns yeah, and you want guys that are edge rushers to have that kind of like mean streak, the the saltiness. You want to see it, the dogs, essentially. You want to see that dog mentality on the field. He, you know, obviously has a um, bloodline where his dad played at Texas. His dad's, um, according to Mike, one of the better defensive line coaches in the state of Texas. He, um, Brian Vasek, he also coaches at Austin Westlake. Um, yeah, you want to you want to see those no nonsense you know, salty kind of chip on their shoulder type of guy playing at the, the edge rusher position. And that that's one that, you know, I think that Texas has done a really good job recruiting at, but there really hasn't necessarily been a, a definitive like starter right now, you know, with Ovia Gofu going to the transfer portal. And um, that tells me that the staff is looking at some of the younger guys, you know, with Ovia Gofu moving on after he was a transfer from Notre Dame but there's that's another prime opportunity, and and the same goes also chip for for Darian Gallette, an edge rusher out of Teague High School. Um, he's an early enrollee. He was number one twenty four overall prospect. He was two spots below um, Colton Vosick as the number nineteen overall edge, where Colton Vosick was number seventeen in the country in the twenty twenty three class. Um, another one that is going to be coming up. He's from a smaller school, so I would say and maybe this isn't fair. My, my ultimate, like kind of like assessment of smaller school guys as compared to say a guy like Colton Vosick, who's played six, a high school football in competition against some, um, you know, future division one power five type of prospects. I would say that Colton Vosick may be in a, in a position to make a name for herself a little bit more than Daring Gallette, but there's no doubt that Daring Gallette, you know, he, he's a really talented guy atop, um, you know, two, four, seven type of prospect too. Both of them will be uh, early enrollees at the edge position. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's exciting. It's exciting times and 15, 15 mm-hmm. uh, early enrollees for Texas. Um, but Taylor, you ready for some love it or leave it? Actually, before we get to love it or leave it, I should just say that the Texas basketball uh, 
program finally made players available uh, in a in a media press conference setting, not a post game setting. Uh, so this was the first time this week we got to speak to players on the basketball team since uh, Chris Beard A was suspended without pay on December 12th and then B terminated on January 5th. And I'll say this, Taylor, these guys, these veteran players, we talked to Marcus Allen or Marcus Carr, uh, not the Heisman Trophy winning running back, <laughs> uh, Marcus Allen, but Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen and Brock Cunningham. And Brock is a sixth year guy. He had the line of the press conference when I asked him, how are you helping to bring along these freshmen, especially Dylan Mitchell, who plays uh, in the front court, he said, well, uh, us, you know, these two five-year guys and me being a six-year guy, we just try to pass on as much knowledge and experience as we can. Uh, but Marcus Carr really had the line of the, the press conference when he said, you know, after the initial shock uh, and confusion, um, you know, you realize you still have games to play and a season to have. And he said, we just banded together as players and said, we have goals we want to achieve and we're going to go try and achieve them. And, uh, it's such a mature, uh, approach and all these guys just seem like they've, they didn't ask for this. We've talked about this Taylor here on the flagship podcast. They didn't ask for this and they're going to be judged by whether they go to the final four with or without Chris Beard. And that's, it's unfair to them, but life isn't fair. And, and now we'll just see what they can make out of this season, but having those veterans and showing the kind of defensive performance that they showed uh, last Saturday in Stillwater uh, after being embarrassed at home by Kansas state, giving up 116 points, they hold Oklahoma state uh, to 46 points and a really gutsy uh, had to have it again down the stretch, you know, back and forth game and finish the game on a 12-1 run, thanks in large part to their uh, stingy defense. And so um, just really impressed. And and Rodney Terry as well, of course, the acting head coach who, you know, was asked, hey, you suddenly in fear for your job now um, with everyone talking about already who's going to replace Chris Beard and Rodney Terry said, look, I'm in the moment. I'm trying to live more in the moment. He said, I lost my father uh, this past August. Uh, that's, that's devastating. Not, not this, you know, mm -hmm. and he said, we, you know, Chris Beard's like a brother to me, but situations happen. And he said, you know, this, this is, we're still playing a game. We love, we're still coaching a game. We love um, it's not, it's not like losing a, a loved one, a parent or a father like uh, Rodney Terry lost in August. So uh, again, you just, you just cheer for these guys because they're going to, they're going to go out there and try and make the best of the season. Yeah. It's not about one guy. It's about the team and sounds like they're taking that team mentality. Yeah. And fortunately they do have a bunch of veterans, guys who've yeah. been around long enough, who've probably seen enough and been through enough that they can say, Hey, I just want to win. So let's go, let's go get it done. All right, Taylor, are you ready for some love it or leave it? I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stay tuned. We have more Texas football talk coming up. We'll be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Chip, you ready for my first love it or leave it? I'm ready. All right, first one, love it or leave it. It's hard to get excited about landing a commitment from Arkansas transfer safety Jalen Catalan because of his injury history. I mean, I can see where people would feel that way, but I'm all about the intangibles that this guy brings. So I'm going to I'm going to leave this. I'm excited. Um I'm probably wishful thinking that everything's going to be fine with that shoulder. Um, that the doctors had a good day, but the the thing I like about Jalen Catalan in that safety room is his presence, his experience, his ability to to help young players come along because Texas has three who they need to come along, and Larry Turner, Gooden, B.J. Allen, and Derek the Raptor Williams, and a guy like Jalen Catalan can help. I mean, Jaron Thompson is emerging and as as a leader. Um, as a as a playmaker, but he he does, he's not been all conference like Jalen Catalan has, and that the all conference in the SEC. And exactly. as you said, he had he had two interceptions in a season where he played what six games and mm-hmm. finished tied for the lead. I think he was eighth on the team in tackles that year, and he only played in six games. I mean, the guy is a special special player, and and so. I'm I'm gonna leave this. I'm excited already if you if you can't tell. Taylor, how about you? Yeah, I'm gonna leave it too. I think that, you know, all SEC says enough right there, you know, and regardless of what his injury history has been, it's not some guy that's had all these injuries that has never proven himself at any level of college football, let alone in one of the, you know, what people view as one of the premier conferences in college football. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna leave it. I I know I, I would you know keep a realistic expectations just because of the injury history that he has had. But Jordan Whittington just had a very healthy season, and nobody thought that was ever gonna happen because he had three years of not healthy seasons. So things can you know the right strength and conditioning staff, the right surgical team, the right um, medical professionals can really do wonders for the future. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave it and, um, say you can get excited for sure. If he gets injured, don't be cussing him because <laughs> it's been on the track record there, but yeah. And what does it say about this guy? How yeah. much he loves football that he's, oh, yeah. he just keeps battling back. These are long, tough rehabs. Um, heck he might be a guy like Jordan Shipley who re- rehabs too much. And, and that, that will come down That'll be important for, um, you know, this Texas training staff to to see how they can help him. Mm-hmm. All right. Love it or leave it, number two. Second one, love it or leave it. Christian Jones announcing he's returning for a sixth season actually holds up the development of a guy like Cameron Williams. You know, I'm going to I'm going to leave this one, too, because I, I think Cameron Williams development is on Cameron Williams and it's up to the coaches to determine who's the best player. I mean, um, look, I know some people were like, well, where was Jalen Ford last year? Why wasn't he on the field last year? Don't tell me it's about the coach. Well, it is about the coaches. The coaches have to determine whose development uh, is where. And last year it was Christian Jones. If Cameron Williams, the massive um, 2022 offensive line recruit who may have the longest arms in the history of offensive linemen <laughs> um, has progressed enough, then he's going to play and Christian Jones will have returned for a six, se- uh, six season for, you know, because he loves college and he loves being around football and he's getting another graduate degree. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to leave this Taylor. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to leave it too. And And when you talk about that, I mean, Cameron Williams, or excuse me, um, Christian Jones had a really good, solid 2022 season, but it's not like it was a season that put him in the mix for being an, a draft pick in any of the rounds. It's not not just a day one, day two type of guy. Right. He was going to be, if anything, an undrafted free Banks. agent. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, Christian Jones, and it's a different, it's a different, you know, scenario for him. And so another year of playing college football. It's, you know, it's either he, I think that he probably made this decision like, oh, it's not going to hurt my future if I ever want to pursue an NFL draft or NFL type of career. 
um, knowing that he's not going to be an NFL draft pick. Now, you know, I mean, competition is the best thing possible um, for any team, for any team, whether you're in high school, college, NFL, whatever it is, competition is what you want to have. And so if Cam Williams somehow beats out Christian Jones, then that's great for the future of the offensive line because Cam Williams is an underclassman. And if he doesn't, it doesn't mean that he's lacking his development. It may just mean that Kyle Flood's going to put the guy that is the most reliable, that can be a, a veteran leader for the rest of the group on the field. And I think the one thing you can recognize with, especially with Steve Sarkeesian and honestly with Kyle Flood too, dating back to their time at Alabama, I mean, guys will stick around and continue to play. I, I don't want to think it would be a situation where if Christian Jones starts next year, then Cam Williams is going to enter the transfer portal. I don't think that at all. I think Cam Williams will be ready to go as a, you know, in his third year at Texas. And so, you know, these players are buying into these guys. The seems like the players that are, you know, waiving options or going to the portal are guys that probably were given a little bit of encouragement to make those type of transitions like the junior angle owls of the world and other type of players. But I, I think that this definitely does not hold up the development of a guy like Cam Williams. And if Cam Williams is a starter at right tackle, then that is a, that's even a bigger plus for the future of the offensive line. Well, and Christian Jones would never play tackle at the next level. He would no, play yeah. guard yeah. and don't count him out. He's always been a tackle, but, if he can learn uh, the tackle position from Kyle Flood, he can certainly learn the guard position from Kyle Flood. So don't don't rule that out either. Yeah. All right. Lo love it or leave it. Number three. Final one. Love it or leave it. Even with 10 of 11 starters returning for the 2023 season, it's hard to say UT's offense will be better because of the one starter lost. As in B. John Robinson. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I... I'm going to leave this. They've got to be better. They got to be better. And they've got guys who can run the football. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about a healthy Jonathan Brooks. Um, and then, and then let's see Jaden blue and let's see Cedric Baxter. Um, but they've, they've got, they've got a, luxury, a wealth of talent at the running back position. Still, even after losing uh, Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, um, who are both starters, if you talk to the coaches. So, um, you know, it's on to sharp choice to have these guys ready to go uh, because that offensive line uh, with these receivers, um, you know, being a year wiser in this system, more importantly, Quinn Ewers, advancing a year having this is his first full off season folks for Quinn Ewers um like dating back to high school yeah because he had injuries he played other sports whatever this is his first full off season dedicated to football and I think he's going to benefit I thought he benefited from the bowl practices I thought he was better in the Alamo Bowl than he was in the last five games of the season so yeah. I'm going to leave this Taylor I'm like this offense has got to has got to be better. It was part of the problem this year when, you know, when Texas lost games to Texas tech and, and to uh, Oklahoma state by not, you know, running the football, different, different TCU focuses too. in the offensive game plan. How about yeah, you? And, and TCU too. I mean, that was a, yeah. you know, that, that was, I don't need to rehash history, but yeah, no, I, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to, um, uh, I'm going to leave it because the offense needs to be better. And as you had said, you know, th that is not discrediting anything that Bijan Robinson or Roshan Johnson did. They had, they were in a position where they had to put games on their shoulders and literally run away with a win with them. Um, that that's great for a first time starting quarterback to be able to have the luxury of guys like that, that are capable to do that and do it in a successful manner. I don't think Texas, if, if Texas needs that again, next season, we're having different conversations than what we're having right now. And I just don't think that Texas is going to be in that position. The, the offensive line is a year older, the um, quarterback, biggest, you know, most important position in all of sports. Steve Sarkeesian will say that not just in football and all of sports, he'll say that quarterback is the most important position. 
look at the difference, you know, in Texas history, Sam Ellinger, his first year as a starter to his second year, the the leap from getting that college experience. And it's even more valuable for Quinn Ewers, because I would say his ceiling is higher than probably what Sam Ellinger's was as a, a quarterback prospect. And then also, you know, Quinn Ewers has not had the opportunity to really, as you said, have a full offseason um, you know, because of injuries, because of reclassifications, whatever it may be. So yeah, he's got to be better. And I think as he, as he matures and as he progresses, the offense is going to progress, um, you know, around with it. So I I'm going to leave this. I think that the offense has to be better. And I do think that it probably will be. And that's absolutely not a discredit of Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, because those are going to be two hard guys to replace. I just don't think that Texas is going to need to replace them in a way of what their their responsibilities were. And if they are in that position where they need a running back or two running backs to carry the load, then we're talking about something entirely different at this point next year. Well, and Steve Sarkeesian quit forcing the ball to Xavier Worthy. Yes. Um, <laughs> throw it around. There are yeah. other receivers on the field, other, you know, get Quinn Ewers, let him throw some check down passes, keep his confidence high. Yeah. All right, uh, good stuff. Everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of the Flagship Podcast. Um, for Taylor Estes, I'm Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at Horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith.